Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope, offer insight, and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Sarah, Amy, and Carrie will explore a theme, share inspiring stories, practical tips, and encouragement you can use on your journey. Using our combined experience of over 30 years of parenting children with special needs, our prayer is that you take heart, have the courage you need to embrace each day. Be sure to check out our free download on our website entitled Tips on Finding Peace, Hope, and Gratefulness in the Hard Places of Being a Special Needs Mom. You can find it at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Amy Brown. And I'm here with my other co-hosts, Sarah and Carrie, to talk about connection. I know you guys have boys. Uh, Carrie, you have a daughter. But I, whenever I think of friendship, I think of Anne of Green Gables, who talks about a bosom friend or a kindred spirit. Um, in the book, Anne of Green Gables, Anne says, I want a bosom friend, an intimate friend, you know, a really kindred spirit to whom I can confide my inmost soul. I've dreamed of meeting her all my life. I never really supposed I would, but so many of my loveliest dreams have come true all at once that perhaps this one will too. I always chuckle when I read that because it's a little bit of a high standard, first of all. (laughs) But then later on in the book, (laughs) Anne says, you know what? Kindred spirits are not so scarce as I used to think. It's It's splendid to find out there are so many of them in the world. One of our deepest desires of our hearts as, human is, as humans is connection. God wired us for it. We want to share our lives and be understood. But even with this longing, we put up limiting beliefs about these connections. And when I talk about connections, I'm, I'm talking about friendships, but also connections with maybe children, spouse. Maybe it's with God or yourself or a pastor. So as we start our discussion on connections, I would be interested to know, um, Sarah, what limiting beliefs have you had about connection in the past or even now? Oh, well, where to start? So <laughs> I, I am my own biggest critic. So I can come up with, I, I can come up with a million different reasons why I'm not worth putting myself out there or worth getting to know or that I I can go on a shame spiral quicker than anybody of, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, did I say that? Did I say that right? Did, oh my gosh, they looked at me kind of weird. And it's not that I'm really insecure. It is, I'm so worried about offending somebody or saying something. My mind is going a million different ways all the time. So I'm like, did they understand what I was saying? Did I say the complete sentence? <laughs> you know, like Because I often will think something and it doesn't come out that right. way. So that's where my limiting belief is, is that I, I'm not good at it. So I, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, just and my, my go-to and my safe place is alone with a book. So I, that's how I recharge myself is just to be alone, go for a walk, do something by myself and 
So whenever I get around a large group of people, I would say my biggest limiting belief is that I'm not going to do it right. I'm going to offend somebody, basically, that I'm not good at it. And so it's best if I just don't try. I've learned over the years that that's not true and I need to put myself out there. And if I do say the wrong thing from time to time and somebody takes it wrong and they're not willing to approach me or forgive me, then that's a connection that's, it it deserves to be in the fleeting (laughs) aspect of things. So, yeah, I Mm -hmm. would say that was mine. What about you, Carrie? I think for me, especially when I think about connecting with other moms who have children with special needs, a lot of, through the years, some of my limiting beliefs is, well, they don't truly understand what I'm going through because our child, our children are so different or we just don't have the time. You know, that's, that's part of it. Our lives are so crazy and we don't have the time. And sometimes I think it's also a care fatigue because, you know, when you start to let people in your life and they have children maybe with medical needs or emotional needs or behavioral needs, then you begin to care for them and care for their children. And, and as, as my own self being a special needs mom, I sometimes struggle with, I'm not sure if I have the depth to care for someone else and their family and all the things that they're going to need from me also. And so I think sometimes that makes me hesitate from reaching out. So those are a couple of the limiting beliefs that I've had. What I find interesting about what you just said is care fatigue, because that when you said that, I thought that makes total sense. Because a lot of times, because I'm an older mom, a lot of people that come to me are young moms, and I'm happy for them to come to me. But when you're already a caregiver, you kind of go into almost every relationship thinking, okay, what is my responsibility to care for this other person? Yeah. Right? Is that is that what you mean yeah. by that? Yeah. And do I have the do I have the mental fortitude and the depth to take on this extra relationship when there's, you know, I have four children and we homeschool mm-hmm. and then Toby's in the hospital a lot. And so sometimes it's just taking mm-hmm. that risk of how much are they going to need from me also, but also realizing that I do have to get outside of myself and and connect with others too and and care for others. But there is that care fatigue factor for sure. And I wonder as special needs moms, as I'm thinking about this, if we just assume we're going to have to care for people, like it's a pleasant surprise when you go out with a friend, you know, back when we could go out with friends yes. and um, it's just easy. You're just laughing and you're not caring for anything. I think I go into it because I'm a mom of six thinking I'm going to have to care for somebody. And it's funny. I guess that could be a limiting belief in its own yeah. right. Yeah, I and I think I think that can be detrimental to a friendship um, as well because you spend so much time mm-hmm. trying to fix it that you don't listen, and so yeah, yeah, right. I think that's great. That's a great yeah. point. You know, for me, my I'm a when the going gets tough, I get going kind of girl, and I am such an introvert, and I'm extremely private, and I think. Part of the privacy is because of the nature of my kids' special needs. Some of their behaviors are behaviors that are incredibly negative, and you don't really want it at out there on a Facebook group, right? <laughs> you know, for people to pray. Like, how do you ask for that kind of prayer? So, my limiting belief, hands down, is I don't need it. I can handle mm-hmm. 
I've handled a lot. I can handle more until I literally crash and burn. And when I crash and burn, because I'm an introvert, I don't necessarily reach out. Yeah. I may reach out to other coping mechanisms. So, but whenever I do reach out, it just feels like I've had a shot of oxygen. And you think I'd remember that every time, (laughs) but I don't. Inability or the hesitation, I should say, to reach out stems from like we're always, it seems like we're always in the limelight with people. We always have a prayer request. We always have a surgery. We always have a need. It's, it's Mm -hmm. constant because it is a daily or a minute by minute issue with our, that's, Mm -hmm. that's our normal. And, and so I tend not to reach out when it's for me. And it's like, you know, I've been dealing all day with broken bones, medicine, you know, insurance hasn't come through appeals or, and what have you. That the last thing that is on my mind typically is I need a friend. It almost seems like, okay, I have too much to do. That is the least of my worries. And it really is something that could help put everything in focus. It's just we we tend to just put that in the background so often. Yeah. And it's true that you are always dealing with things. I used to have this group of women I met with and not that they didn't have problems, but they had like little problems they would talk about. And then it'd be my turn. And I just <laughs> was the complete train wreck at the table every week. <laughs> so, I mean, their eyes would get bigger and bigger and I just be like, okay, I just have to stop talking. <laughs> so I think that's part of it too. Um, but, you know, as special needs moms, we, we have to adapt life. Yes. So we have, you know, we're, we're good at it, right? We know how to adapt. So I would like to think talk a little bit about as we think about connecting. First of all, we have to get over those limiting beliefs of, yeah. you know, they're not going to get me. I don't have time, whatever those are, and identify those. But once we do decide to reach out, we're going to have to adapt. It's not going to look like other people, probably. So I guess my next question would be, what are some creative ways that you have found to reach out to people? And and once again, let me just keep go back to this. It doesn't necessarily need to be a girlfriend. It could be spouse, other kids, wherever you feel you've needed connection. What have been some creative ways, Carrie, that you feel like you have reached out? So I mentioned this in my individual podcast, but my friend that God ordained that we would be friends before either of us had kids with special needs and then both of our kids have trachs and ventilators and and feeding tubes or my son used to but and um our oldest boys were born 16 hours apart so her son's three and a half years older than Toby it was interesting because once we came home with Toby it was like we had this main diagnosis of spina bifida, but we were in the rare case scenario of spina bifida with all this extra stuff. And then her son didn't get a diagnosis until I think he was almost two. I can't remember exactly. And he was in a rare area. I think there's only like 50 kids in the world that have his diagnosis. And so we looked at each other and said, you know what? It's time for us to support start a support group for moms of kids of medically complex children or medically fragile children. And ironically, we called ourselves breath of support and we would get together once a month and go to a restaurant. And we were able to do that because most of the moms in our group had nursing. So we would, we, for the most part, we were able to leave, you know, our kids with nurses or with dads. And I remember just, you know, there were months where I'm like, Oh, I'm not sure I want to go tonight. And then we would go, and I 
it like you said, it was a shot of oxygen. And I would come home and I would just feel so revived because you tend to then connect on the things you do have in common. Even though all of our kids had various diagnoses, we had, you know, care fatigue in common. We had, well, where our children, for the most part, were getting treated at the same hospital. We had that in common because it was in the area. So that's one creative way that I have on connection. And then also another one has just been through connecting with my own kids um, is just trying to actually, I've realized as they've gotten older, and this is going to sound really silly, but they have no idea of what life was like when Toby was so fragile as a baby. They were so young. They were so young, and we did Mm -hmm. so much to protect them from all of that. We rarely took them to the hospital um, and now you, you know, you can't at certain ages or whatever you ha- they have to be a certain age. But so we have just tried to find connection with me. I know, of course, you know, they're my boys. I'm like, oh, mom's dragging out the scrapbook again, you know, <laughs> but seriously, to have those conversations to say, do you realize like, you know, like it reminds me of the children Israel of Israel with the stones that they carried across the river door. And do you realize how God right. carried us through this and God carried us through this and oh, you guys were with, you know, Aunt Lindsay during this time, or you guys were with Grandma and Grandpa during this time. and But to just have those conversations because they don't remember. And for them to also connect with their brother, because sometimes there is this level, it's really good because our Toby's siblings treat him like a normal sibling. They fight like normal siblings, mm-hmm. but they also sometimes expect him to do things way over and above things that he mm-hmm that he can do because they don't realize what he's been through. That's good. What about you, Sarah? I think one of the most, whenever our, I think of creative connection, I think of my oldest son who is neurotypical and just, he doesn't have any physical disabilities. He, we always made it a point. I spend gosh, almost three years, every 28 days, we flew out east, my youngest son and I. And so I was gone a week, a month for three years. And as a middle schooler into high school, I would miss games. I would miss districts. I would would miss big things. And so one of the ways that early on is that when my husband, my husband took one clinical trial that was in Florida. And so that was his time to take my youngest son to that clinical trial. And it was always a three or four day process. And so during that three or four days, building up to it, my son got to make the itinerary. So I would take off work, I would get him out of school if he if he could. And we would do whatever he wanted to do. So if it was just vegging out watching TV or, and he was always, even as a little kid, he always liked sushi. So we would go out for sushi and that was his thing. And so this one place is always, even at 20 now, he calls it, that's our date night spot. And so I, I went with my husband one time, kind of funny side note. And he was like, you went to our date night spot. And I'm like, so that was, that was a connection. You know, I just made that extra point to turn off my phone, look him in the eyes, ask him what he wanted. And, you know, another way is to connect. And I think it's just back to the basics and is you listen. And we talked about that earlier, but as I would listen to him and I would say, what's the most frustrating part about having a special needs brother? 
And he would kind of, at first he would kind of look at me. I'm like, oh, it's frustrating. Do you want me to tell you some things right. that I find frustrating as a mom? And I just mm-hmm. let him vent. I let him be a kid and let him tell. So that was always kind of, I think that's just the basics of any kind of friendship or any kind of connection is just to listen and to acknowledge. So that's what I thought of when you said <laughs> creative ways. I don't know how creative that was, but that's what I thought of. I think that's great. And especially with other siblings, I ha- we have this idea that it has to be a big thing, right? right? It has to be this big, okay, I've neglected yeah. you for three weeks. <laughs> I'm going to take you to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> right, but right. if you just stop and look around you, and not, this isn't just with um, kids. It could be with a spouse or friendship. You know, you're bringing somebody home from soccer and, okay, let's go to Dairy Queen and not get a blizzard and six other people have to get it, you know, or whatever. It just, it's little right. stuff. And I think in yeah. my mind, that's one of my limiting beliefs that if I don't have a whole weekend with a girlfriend, which would never happen anyway, I don't know why that's even out there, then what's 10 minutes or what's <laughs> 20 minutes on the phone? You know, it's, I think we do that with a lot of things in life. And I think, that's one of the, been yeah. the things that I have tried to do with my own kids and friends is just doing those quick connections because they matter too. And they make more of a difference than I think we're going to realize. I, I mean, it's kind of dumb. You're like, okay, I'm either going to have all this or nothing. Why not meet in the middle somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I love that. I love all of that. And especially as the kids get older too, I think Sarah, you said, you know, you have a kid at college now, so you connect with him and, um, and I think it's important to let them have a voice of what's hard about having a special yeah. needs sibling. So those are great. Um, yeah. Have you had any, without naming names, <laughs> connection fails <laughs> or connection surprises or things like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to connect? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to. Okay, so with t- with my son, his diagnosis is that he's terminal. And so, you know, he has an average life expectancy of mid-20s. Um, and I can say that and not be tearful anymore because that is our reality. And I've learned to, I give my little mm-hmm. elevator speech every time we meet somebody. And now it's like, but early on the diagnosis, I felt like everybody right. needed to know everything. And I realized after a few times, whenever I would meet new people and I would explain my life and then they would end up in tears and I would be like, oh, it's really, it's okay. It's really okay. And I'm like, nobody wants to be around that mom. I make everybody cry. So now it's like, I'm like, oh, he has muscular dystrophy. I didn't. So I learned early on not to, not to sugarcoat it, but I don't have to verbally purge my entire life. Whenever I meet somebody, they don't need to know. We'll ease them in right, slowly right. to the relationship. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what about you, Carrie? I think for me, just one of the surprises has been how important it is to connect with other moms who do not have kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. And those, and to cherish those friendships because you know, they just have a different perspective on life. And I've also cherished those friends who, like you said, Sarah, they just truly listen. They may not completely understand what you're going through, but they're the ones who, you know, through the years I've had a couple that will just say, oh, Toby's going to the hospital for another surgery. We're going to do a meal train for you. And they don't ask. They don't even say, what do you need? 
they say, this is what we're going to do for you. And so I think that those connections are really important because we can sometimes just surround ourselves with all the types of people who are like us. Mm-hmm. And that that's great, but that can also have a downside to it. So we need to remember to just continue to have those connections. And another, I think, great surprise about connecting with other special needs parents is sometimes the best referrals for treatments and where to go to get care and have come from other moms. They don't come from the doctors at the hospital or the nurses. They're coming from being in that Facebook group and, oh, I'm researching this this treatment Mm -hmm. for my son's scoliosis or whatever it is. And then you hear people's stories and you go, okay, I'm going to try that. And because for the most part, you know, we as moms and as parents of children with special needs, we're our child's best. We are the experts on our kids. And so I feel like that sharing of information um, has been a great surprise and benefit of connecting in those types of situations. Mm-hmm. That's great. I would say for me, I've thought about this a lot, and is I have to lay down my expectations that because I have don't really know that many people that have kids with special needs like mine. I have an expectation that somebody else isn't going to understand it. And a couple examples come to mind. Number one, you guys, obviously, when we met and I called Sarah, I remember this, I called her because we were in this writing group together and she started saying stuff that I would have, I thought, and I I was surprised by that because I had this expectation that because we have kids with different special needs, we wouldn't really be on the same page about things. Right. And that has been one of the biggest blessings of last year is that we have connected. But I think of another time that I joined an exercise group. I didn't know anybody in that group. And I thought, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go under, I'm going in stealth. They're not going to know anything about me. I'm not going to start the whole, like, like Sarah, you said, the whole long PowerPoint (laughs) that is my life. And I didn't have a lot in common with these women, except that we worked out together and I was so pleasantly surprised that one of the women in that group is one of my dearest friends now. We exercise all the time together. Um, I was not expecting that going in. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so for me, I've had to learn to say, you just don't know where God's going to bring yes. that fruit and that flower that blooms. You just don't know. And so you can look at somebody who has none of the demographics you have, but you may have a common bond. And I will say this for anybody out there that feels, oh, I don't have friends. I'm lonely. There are lots of ways that we talk about this month on how to reach out. But this I know to be true, that God brings people into your life. Yeah. He really does. And as we pray for that, and, and on our, our eyes are open to the possibilities of friends, we have to lower our expectations, not in a bad way. By that, I mean, lay them aside. Because you never know who God's going to bring into your life yeah. that could just meet the need that you have right then. Yeah. And that is definitely something that I've learned over the course of my of my life in reaching reaching out and making friendships. So anyway. Um, okay. Now, especially needs moms. We are have times when we're in crisis, whether we're in the hospital, have a boatload of new information that we have to process. There's some behavioral issue at school. Somebody gets suspended, which has happened at my house <laughs> more than once. <laughs> um, in those moments, uh, how do you think 
that you can get connection because that's not what you're thinking about at all. You're just thinking of getting through the crisis, but it's so important that we don't completely isolate. So I would love to hear, uh, Carrie, your thoughts on that. So the one thing that comes to mind, at least for like hospital stays and when you have a lot of medical things going on, and this can care can certainly carry over to other diagnosis, but we started a Caring Bridge page, which I know that website is still current, and some people start blogs, but it was an easy way for people to know what was going on in our lives mm-hmm. without me having to call at least 14 years ago. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of texting going on. I didn't have an iPhone, but, you know, for people to connect and then to support us in prayer. And I can remember um, you know, I had a friend in China praying for us at that time. And and it was also what was really surprising about it is I kept that Caring Bridge site for about eight years. And it was how I ended up connecting with some of my closest friends now whose children have similar diagnosis. And it was it's also been a an amazing just like medical account and a journal. That I have that I can go back and say, oh, I forgot, you know, doctor ask you a question. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember he had a surgery, but I can't remember, but I can go back and look and it's on there. So it's just a really practical way to, you know, kind of keep track of things when you're in a crisis mode. And there were times when I handed over the updates to a friend because I didn't have the presence of mind to do it. And she would give the updates for me until I could process things. And it was just, yeah, it was just a really simple way to, it also helped me process. It really did. It helped me to Mm -hmm. sift through the emotions and sift through the medical information so I could explain it in a way that other people outside of the situation could understand and pray. And so that is just one of the ways that I have found it's been connection on several levels, spiritually, mentally, mentally, emotionally Mm -hmm. um, for me and for people to connect with us, too. Oh, that's good. What about you, Sarah? I I love what Carrie had said, is that I, because we started a Facebook page, and we actually started out on Caring Bridge, too, because um, you're right. Over a decade ago, there wasn't texting or anything like that, but, and I realized that nine out of ten times, I would get a Facebook message or a text or, you know, something from somebody or a call, whatever was time appropriate. At, um, but we would get that from people just by letting, keeping them updated. Plus it gave them a sense of what our life was like. It gave them without the PowerPoint, mm-hmm. they, they would understand what our life was like. But I know when we go through surgeries, um, we have well, pre-COVID, we would have preachers or our ministers that would come to the hospital and pray with us. Um, I would. I actually had one friend that I said, hey, my son goes into surgery. And for anybody who listens that doesn't have to do surgeries a long time, this, you know, often this might sound a little bit uncaring as a mom, but I feel like he goes into surgery at 9 a.m. You want to chat? <laughs> you want to FaceTime? Because We've I do it so too. often. We've done that too right. with Toby. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm sitting right there and I know I'm in it for a good hour or two. And instead of worrying, would you want to talk me through it? And most of the time, they are so encouraged and they feel so empowered themselves as a friend that they're like, oh my gosh, I was able to help you. I had one friend that was like, that is the best thing a friend has ever asked me to do. I'm like, okay, that was selfish. But in my head, 
but I was empowering her to give me a blessing. So I would say just be open and be specific of what you need. Give, you know, ask for specific prayer requests. And usually people will let you know. And that opens a dialogue. To I have friends that I guarantee started from their consistent and vigilant prayer over my child. That That is the firm yeah. foundation of our friendship. And you can't replace that. Yeah. I mean, that is that is one of the most special mm-hmm. kinds of connections. I love that. So. You said be specific with what you need. And Brene Brown says clear is kind. So it's hard for us, mm-hmm. as special needs moms, I think, to say to be clear because we're so focused on what our child needs and we'll go to bat over and over again for what our child needs. But we may not go to bat for what we need. And I want to say specifically to moms of kids with um, hidden disabilities and behavioral issues, we don't, like I said earlier, we don't usually have a caring bridge about this. <laughs> but I have what I call my break glass in case of emergency kind of friend. <laughs> it's the friend that you call and say, here's what's going down and I need you to pray for me or or you can cry too, or you can say, I'm so tired, because you can't really broadcast um, some of the behaviors to everybody. So I have a couple people that I can just, they are not going to try to give me solutions. They're not going to, I know they won't judge me. I know they don't understand it completely, but they love me and they know me. And that makes, that makes the world of difference. So the break class in case of emergency kind of friend needs to be there. And I don't always want to make that phone call, but I know that if I do, I will get grace and love that probably people looking in our situation are not going to give me. <laughs> so so for you moms that have those kind of kids with um, behavioral issues, it's really important. I know it's really hard to reach out because most people don't understand, but it is really important that you do reach out. So I just want to encourage you to do that. So... Um, Thanks, ladies. You're always so wise. <laughs> um, thank you guys for... I, go ahead. <laughs> I would also say... Sorry, I, it just got me to thinking when you said the break glass type of friend and that with hidden disabilities and then you add the adoption aspect or even the fostering aspect where you can't mm-hmm. start a Facebook page right. or, you know, you right. just can't. Um, for anybody, I know we have a lot of listeners um, out there that aren't necessarily special needs moms, but they're family members or friends, I would say just to listen and just yeah. to say, I'm sorry, that stinks. Those yeah. are some, yeah. those are like the, the best four words sometimes that I ever hear is I don't need to hear you understand. Quite frankly, I am so happy you don't get it. Um, but right. just, you know, because then you're not dealing with what we're dealing with. I would not wish that on right. anybody. Right. I don't think any of us would. But if you are a friend or a family member or a minister or anybody listening and you know somebody with special needs, sometimes it's just, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Mm-hmm. How are you? Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I have this one elder at my church. He gets in my face, eye level, and he's like, no, the answer is not fine. How are you? And I have to give him something. Because sometimes I'm like, I really am fine. Like, I, some days I'm fine. <laughs> sometimes I, I don't need the PowerPoint. But, you know, those right. are the kind of friends that are so important, I think, for special needs families. And especially, I would think, for indivis- invisible and the adoptive parents. Right. Thank you. That's yeah. so true. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that we got to talk about connection. And speaking of connection, here at Take Heart, we really want to connect with you. So if you hear anything today that you um, 
want to chat with us about, just reach out to us. Um, Carrie's going to close us in prayer. Thanks, Carrie. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for this conversation today. And I just want to pray for all of our listeners out there. You know their hearts and you know their needs. You know that they need connection, whether it's with a spouse or family members or other children or friends. And I just pray that you will provide exactly what that person needs in this moment right now, that you will help them to overcome their limiting beliefs, and that the friends and family in their life will take the time to listen and acknowledge the hard parts of their life, and that they will also have prayer warriors that are praying over them and for them through all of the circumstances that they're going through. And Lord, I just pray that they will have the connections and above all, that they will dig their roots deep into your word, into your truth, and to feel your presence in their life, to know that you are the God who sees them and that you can be trusted and you will never leave them or forsake them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for joining us this week on Take Heart. If you love our podcast, could you do us a favor? We would love if you would leave a review wherever on whatever platform you listen to our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story with us, follow the links in our show notes. We would love to hear from you. Listen in next week as we start the theme of self-care. <music>